Friends, welcome to another episode of Strength for Today. I'm your host here, Eric Dykstra, and I'm so glad that you're with me today. And we're going to follow up last week's uh, episode by simply talking about something that's dear to my heart. And that's really the process of how God forms us and shapes us in extremely difficult times and really how he uses our past in order to build us with where we are today. And we're going to get one of my favorite stories today in the Old Testament, starting in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. And it's on Solomon, and it's a significant event that's happening. And I want to just share some of the things that over the years the Lord has revealed to my heart and my spirit that I've really been processing for several years. And a lot of times the way I've gone about sharing these things is that I often let the Holy Spirit minister within my own heart and spirit and establish these truths before I begin to share them with other people. Because I can read a story, but if I don't have that developed in my spirit by the Holy Spirit, then it's not going to have as much impact and fruit in your life if I don't personalize it and let it get in my spirit first. And so let me just open this up today by praying for our time, because I really believe that the Lord wants to strengthen you wholeheartedly today and share some of his incredible good news with your heart and in your spirit that is going to encourage you, that is going to edify you and build you up to become the person that you have been called to be and created to be by our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, and I'm just asking for your spirit to speak into our hearts. God, I pray that we would open our hearts, our minds to receive, and that you would give us a listening ear to hear what only you can share through your wisdom that we can get from no other place. So Father, bless this time, and we welcome your spirit to minister to ours so that the truth that is so powerful, can set us free, that can open up living water inside of our heart, that it would renew our mind and allow us to see the fullness of who you are. And as we see the fullness of who you are, that we may become everything that you have called us to be and see the fullness of who you've created us to be in your image. I pray all this in your wonderful holy and precious name. Amen. All right, I'm just going to jump right in today. And we are going to look at Second Chronicles chapter one. And this is where Solomon is worshiping at Gibeon. And there are some fascinating things that are going on in the story. So I'm just going to begin reading. It says, Solomon, the son of David, established himself in his kingdom. And the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders and all of Israel, the heads of fathers' houses. So Solomon's taking all of his leaders and he's going up to this place of Gibeon. And we're going to unpack the significance of why they're going to Gibeon, but it's a high place. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, a high place represented going somewhere where they had an elevated, safe, secure place where they could see all the things that were below them. And it was often hard for enemies to penetrate and come uphill to a high place 
without um their army being able to attack and destroy the 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 cut the, the army that was trying to make its way up so high places have significance because it gave them an elevated perspective and an advantage in battle and so take note of that as we are listening to this story today and then in verse three it says solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at gibeon for the tent of meeting of god which moses the servant of the lord had made in the wilderness was there but David had brought up the ark that God, the ark of God from Kariath Jerim to the place that David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. Moreover, the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, had made was there before the tabernacle of the Lord. And Solomon and the assembly sought it out. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord which was at the meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. So let me break this down a little bit of what's happening. You've got the tent of meeting, the bronze altar, and the Ark of the Covenant that's being brought up by David. And so all the leaders within Israel are coming to this high place at Gibeon, and they all three represent something significant. You've got the tent of meeting, which was the mobile a place of meeting, a moving mobile tabernacle that the Israelites used to worship God, to read the word of God, much like the churches that we have today. But this was mobile. It was uh, flexible and they could travel with it. And they always brought it with them because they wanted to be able to honor the Lord in everything that they did, no matter where they were at. So the tent of meeting represented the place in which they came before God and met with him. And then you have the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God. David had this, and it was one of the most precious things that all of Israel had because it signified the very presence of God. And what was so different from this, from any other religion or deity at that time, uh, was that this symbolized that God, the God, of Adam, the God of Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Isaiah, or Isaac, the forefathers, has the God that was present with them is now present with them. And so in every battle, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. Every place they went, it was signifying that the Israelites were a set-aside people carrying the very presence of God. And when the other nations looked to Israel, they were often fearful of the Ark of the Covenant because the Israelites had been victorious over so many of the armies and no other army had been able to take down the Israelites. And so the presence of the Lord was significant. And then you had the bronze altar, which often represented the place of sacrifice uh, that the Israelites would make in order to be pure and to be holy. And this would represent the coming of Christ and the sacrifice that he would make for us. So you've got the mobile presence of God, the tent of meeting, which is the place where they hosted the presence and the bronze altar of sacrifice. And these three things represent so something so significant in our lives and in our spirit today is that we come before the Lord and we lay down our heart, we open ourselves up and we Ask the Lord 
for forgiveness. We ask the Lord to take fully our heart, our spirit, our mind, and to consume our heart with his presence, his love, his grace. And we are mobile because in Second uh, in Corinthians, Paul says that our bodies are the very temple of the Lord. So now you see in the new covenant, our bodies represent this mobile tent of meeting where we constantly carry the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God dwells inside each one of his followers, each one of his believers that call on his name. Now carry the presence of God. So here you go. You've got these three things. Something significant is happening at Gibeon. Now let's take a look and break down what Gibeon represented. If you go back to Judges chapter 9, Gibeon was a place that um, the Israelites were actually tricked and deceived and where they didn't seek the wisdom, the plan that God had for them because they had previously fought in two battles, battle at Jordan, I believe it was, and the battle at Ai. And these were two battles in which the Israelites were successful. They had victory because they sought the Lord's plan. They heard from the Lord. They carried out that plan and they were victorious. And you see at um, Gibeon, they didn't seek the word of the Lord and they got anxious. They became fearful and they went into battle and they were tricked by their opponents and deceived and if you want to read that, you can go back to Judges chapter 9 or Joshua chapter 9 and read that story. But see how significant this is, is that the Israelites now are going back to a place where they had been tricked, where they had been deceived. And they got the presence of God, the tent of meeting and the bronze altar coming to this place of being uh, where they were defeated, which didn't happen often. But it was because they didn't seek the Lord's counsel and his wisdom and his plan. And so the Israelites are going back to Gideon and they are going to make sacrifice. They are going to worship at the place of Gibeon. So why is this significant? Notice what Solomon does next. He prays for wisdom to lead the Israelite people because he knows they're at a time in history where they need to see and rely on what the Lord can do. And it says this in verse seven, in the night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, you have shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. And this is Solomon's ask. He says, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you and have not even asked for long life but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. So after they're going to this high place, Solomon comes into this space and, and the Lord asks him, Solomon, what do you desire? And Solomon says, 
given me wisdom and knowledge so that I can rule your people because he knows that he can't do it on his own. And in the Hebrew, that word actually means give me a listening heart, a listening heart to receive from the Lord what is his. As you've journeyed with me over season one and season two, I've been very open and sharing my own story. And if you're anything like me, you begin to see patterns and cycles of how God usually works in his people. You see, we often get brought to this place of brokenness and defeat and, and where we're tricked or deceived into making choices that ultimately defeat us and leave us isolated, leave us broken, wounded, hurt, and we are in need of healing. We are in need of becoming whole. And this is where God often works is he allows us to get into this place in life so that we're made low, so that we have humility, so that God can work and speak in our heart in a way that he's never been able to do. And I've talked about this this season in Psalm 32 in Psalm 51, where David cried out and he said, search me, O Lord, know my heart. And this is Solomon bringing his people up, the bronze altar, the tent of meeting, the presence of God, all culminating in one spot, a place where they had been tricked and deceived and broken. And yet the greatest cry we know that comes from Solomon here in this place where he was once defeated now the Lord is granting wisdom to rule his people out of a place where they had been defeated. And I hope you're seeing where I'm going with this. Is so many times we look at the broken places in our lives where we've been defeated, where we've been hurt, where, where we needed healing, and we stay there. And we think that it's going to be the destruction of the rest of our lives. But yet God brings us back to that point when we bow low and we were in humility and we bring these things before him and we surrender and we ask for forgiveness and we ask those around us maybe that we've hurt for forgiveness. The Lord brings us back to Gibeon where we were once defeated and he restores us, he builds us, he strengthens us, he edifies us. And he says, the place of your greatest defeat is now going to be the place of your greatest victory. And he's not ashamed of who you've been. He's not ashamed of the choices that you've made. But if we allow him, he's going to bring us back to this place and he's going to grant us the desires of our heart because we've allowed him to walk with us and to remake us and to reform us. And he restores us into a place of wholeness and health. And so I want you to be encouraged today. Some of you have been in a very difficult, dark season, but there is hope. The God of hope brings us back into these places of defeat and he strengthens us through these process. I've shared this in my own journey where I've learned from my mistakes and I've had people come around me who've lifted me up and set my eyes to my future because the Lord had a destiny and a destination for me. And it took these defeats in Gibeon to get me to where I am today. Am I fully arrived? Absolutely not. But I know I'm much better than I once was. And I know that God has utilized everything from my past. And he's given me a strength to be a voice 
and to see things that I never would have seen before had I not gone through my defeat and my deception in my life. I want to give you an example of this in my life because I love the game of baseball and you know that. And I've shared that in the previous past seasons. Take you back to a time, uh, I don't know if it was my junior or senior year, when I was up to bat in the last inning against one of our uh, conference rivals and I had the bases loaded and we were down by one run. And sure enough, I struck out on a pitch that I normally wouldn't have swung at and I was defeated. I was angry. I was mad. And I knew we had one more shot to play them this year. And I knew I wasn't going to get beat again by this pitcher. And I was hoping he would pitch against me again. And so I used the next several weeks to get better. And I studied tape of this pitcher. And the next time we played him, I ended up going three for four. And I'm not trying to brag on myself. But what we have to do in those times where we're defeated is we've got to allow it to get us to a place where we prepare so that if it happens again, I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to win the next battle. That's the mindset that the Lord is developing in us. And that's the mindset he put in the Israelites here where they're going back up to Gibeon. And you want to see a connection in the New Testament? I believe this story from Second Chronicles 1 is a representation of the Mount of Transfiguration that we find in Matthew 17, where Jesus takes the three disciples up to a higher place and he reveals his glory. He reveals his majesty to them and he gives them an encounter, an experience that strengthens them so that he can send them into the world to be his disciples, to reflect the fullness and the glory of who Jesus was. You see, out of the brokenness, out of the ashes, arises new life and new strength for you to be make, made whole. And that's the way the Lord works in us and he shapes us in these times. And I want to encourage you in these last couple of minutes that the Lord is a God that sees you right where you're at. He holds hope and he holds light in his hands and he's going to utilize everything from your past. You may not see the future, but that's where our faith and our trust in him has to become stronger, has to become deeper inside of us, connected with him. That's why I've spent this season learning how to stay relational with him, learning how to develop a lifestyle where we're relational and hearing from the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, understanding the way God's wired us and how we're uh, able to live from our true identity. Because I know there's going to come a day where we're laid low and we're, we're broken and we're hurt and we don't think that we can get back up. But I'm here to tell you today, friends, that you have strength in you that only comes from the Lord and he's going to pull it out of you. Just like he did with Solomon and the Israelites. This often come full circle is if you go back to season one in one of the first episodes where I talked about my brother's trial and how the Lord strengthened me in that moment to be strength for my brother and for my family. And I shared last episode, a time in my life that my brother was there for me. Both of my brothers, both of my uh, my parents, my mom and my dad were both there for me. Um, I had other friends that were there. The Lord is so good and so kind if we're going to allow him 
to restore us and reconcile our relationships, even if we were living in brokenness. The Lord turns us uh, into something so beautiful. And I used this last season as well of like a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and sleeps for a long time. And then it becomes, it disintegrates and becomes something new. That's the image of what God does and allows us to become something that we couldn't have gone and done on our own strength. But it is only by his grace and resurrection and new life through the Holy Spirit that allows us to become new. You see, the danger is in when we try to control our circumstances and we don't surrender we don't allow ourselves to be humble for the hand of God to work deep in our heart. See, the safest place that we can be is in the presence of God. Because when we come to him in salvation, he's hosting us in his presence. He says that we are in Christ. And as we walk out our salvation in wisdom, we then have to learn to steward the presence of God within us. When we host the presence of God, we're able to accomplish so much more in our heart bears fruit because we've taken on the character of Christ. And I'll close just with a couple things here. I had a friend share with me once that our maturity, our transformation isn't always marked by the distance that we travel in this world, but by the height in which we soar or our heart's desire to soar. You see, that's what I want the Christian life to be about for me, is that it's not so much about trying to cover distance. It's about the height of perceiving things from a higher level, just like the Israelites did at Gibeon. And then she, uh, my friend gave this example as well of a staircase and how so many times in life, it seems like we're running uh, on this spiral staircase and we're using all this energy going up and yet we're not going anywhere, but here's the beautiful thing is that we're going to a higher place in gaining a higher perspective in life. <clears throat> so I want to call, I'm going to share a scripture with you from Jeremiah 17 next week. And that's going to be a great example of what we get to become in the spirit. And uh, Jeremiah had a great picture of this that I want to encourage you with next week. So please join me next week and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to come to a close at the end of November here, but I'm going to shift directions a little bit and I just want to encourage you. Uh, I want to share some just visions and illustrations that the Lord's given me and a few scriptures uh, that have been prophetic in nature for me that are kind of prophetic images in the Old Testament from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And I want to bless you at the end of this season as you ground out this year and as we celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so that's what's ahead. I'm excited what God's got in my heart and I'm excited what he's doing in you. I'm excited what he's doing in the world today. And I wanted just to encourage you again today to allow God to form you and to breathe his life into you and to know that out of your brokenness, out of your pain, out of the deceit where the enemy may have deceived you or tricked you is going to come your greatest victory because he's not done yet with you. And his wisdom is going to give you access to a new dominion and a new authority in life if you allow him to shape you, 
to shine his light in you and to breathe a new revelation of his presence and character in your heart. God bless and join me next time.